Hey, have you been asking yourself, when are they going to kill off my favorite characters? Well, this is the episode that has answers for you. Goodbye, Tasha Yar. It's episode 22 of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Skin of Evil. Tasha Yar is dead. She's dead. She's dead. She's dead. But it's not all tears. You also get this. Excuse me, I've come down with the Ferengi flu. And a little bit of this. Stand by. I'll be right there. Break out the space tissue, folks. You're about to ride a warp drive roller coaster. Coming at you right about... Now. Five, four, three, two, one. One less chief of security, number one. I sense great sadness. Andrew, are are, are, are you okay? This is the end for Tasha Yar, okay? This Uh. is Yar's last episode, and I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Just start the episode. Come, oh, God. Come, come on. Come on. We can work through it together. Welcome, everyone, to your new favorite Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. She was so tender. Just like Ramon or whatever his name was. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> he was so tender, just like Fabri. What was his name? So very gentle. Uh, welcome everybody to your. <laughs> what was that kid's name? Uh, uh, <laughs> Renee, Renee, for God's sake! So very gentle. <laughs> welcome everyone to. <laughs> it's hard to speak. Renee it's hard to talk. It's hard to talk through all the tears. Your tears. Uh, uh, your new favorite podcast, starring me, Commander Dave E. Dave, and my uh, 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 very sad friend, compatriot. Inconsolable Andrew. Welcome to the saddest episode of the season. Episode 22, Skin of Evil. Oh, so evil, that skin. And in case you didn't know, or in case you haven't watched the episode yet, this is the episode where our our wonderful Tasha Yar, Denise Crosby, leaves the Enterprise D, at least for a while. Mart! Mart! Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Right. Spoilers. Right. Spoilers. Uh, uh, right. uh, are, you, are you telling us that uh, 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 Miss Crosby comes back? <laughs> Could be. Could be. Uh, maybe she has a daughter. Maybe she has a mirror self. Maybe. 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 So, folks, she comes back a number of times in, in subsequent seasons. And I think, doesn't she do some Deep Space Nine work, too, as well? I don't know if she does or not. I, she just showed up in some late um, late series uh, episodes of the X-Files. She's, she is also on Ray Donovan as uh, a regular. I didn't know that. So she's doing she's doing the work still. She's out there. She's out there okay. ca- cashing a paycheck. It's not all Yar at conventions. So, Andrew, I, I mean, I, I know this is like a really emotional time for you, but I, I'm hoping that you're going to be up for the for the podcast tonight. I'm going to soldier through it. I'm going to do what Captain Look. Picard says. I'm gonna I'm gonna set my feelings aside. Set your feelings to stun. <laughs> Our feelings will have yeah. to wait until later, till the end of the podcast, and I'm just gonna lose it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you keep yourself emotionally in check, and then you can kind of fall apart at the end. Okay. So what happens in this episode, Andrew? Well, it's the oddest thing. 
I don't know what's up with this uh, uh, Troy. She's always like off on different conferences or family business. This time she's on right. a, a shuttlecraft, and it crashes on this remote and desolate planet. So the Enterprise crew has to go rescue her. But when they beam down on the remote and desolate planet, they find out it's not so remote and desolate. There, there seems to be like this, this, this oil slick or something on the ground. Right. And oddly enough, that oil slick, Dave, that oil slick is alive. Oh, you can tell by the way it moves. Like they're, they're, they're trying to get around it and it, it just kind of moves. And it's angry. It's angry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one angry uh, uh, black blob of India ink or and it won't let the crew save Troy and the other unnamed crew member, I think Ben, Ben, they keep saying Ben, ben. but he never gets to talk. He never gets to move. He never gets to do much of anything. <laughs> right. I don't know. Do, I don't do. Do we even see him in the shuttlecraft? No, we see him. Yeah. We see the body sort of draped oh, okay, over right. uh, the instrumentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. According to Wikipedia, his name is Lieutenant Ben Prito. Uh, but he never does anything. The guy's got a credit for it. Right. Raymond Raymond Fortion got a credit for it, but uh, not really a okay. showcase for him. Let's well, just the, say that. Let's let me ask you this: Do you think the dude's got a table at uh, TrekCon or whatever it's called? <laughs> Do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, look, 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 look. Let me say something. This is not even stepping out of the Star Trek universe to say this. Uh, we've been to a few conventions here and there. Yes, that is true. Uh, you and I, when you go to these conventions. You see a lot of the kind of secondary background people show up with headshots and memorabilia that they're really trying to hawk. And and and, and I'm not saying like the, the main crew is not, uh, you know, above this either. They, they're there, too, but they're like the headliners. Oh, sure. Sure. Then, then you've got these people like like this guy, like Ben. You know, I was Ben on episode 22 of Skin of Evil. Remember? And and if right. you're lucky enough to be in Skin of Evil because it's a famous episode, then it's pretty good for you. You could you could say, "Hey, I was in Skin of Evil." But you're right. I mean, you're right. It's 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 not you know it it it's in the back of the con. You you got to go back there. And I always hate walking back there because there's such a sadness. And over the years, I mean, especially San Diego Comic Con. I'm sorry, Comic Con International, which is yes. the one I go to uh, every in year. San Diego, I hear. Yeah, when they actually have the damn thing, when we're not consumed with plague, and you're able to go. Right. I, I feel bad walking past some of those tables. I mean, even the likes of Aaron Gray to go, to come back to our favorite Buck Rogers. Aaron Gray, yes. Even the likes of Aaron Gray have, has uh, Wilma Deering and Buck Rogers has been back there just sitting right. there by herself, like reading a magazine. Yeah. And I have nothing to say to her, but I always feel like I should get in line. And and then I think to myself, she'll absolutely know this is a pity sign. I'm not going to do it. It's also that these people are charging you for these. So they, they have their headshots there. There's, you know, glossy uh, photo that they'll sign for you and, and they'll say, you know, to you. And, and right. but you have to pay for it. So the 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 Aaron Gray's maybe that's a twenty five dollar headshot, right? And and you know the bigger people are more. I don't know. I don't know if she charges. I I oh, don't really? know what she's up free? to. I oh. I've never I well, I've never gone up to her. All right. I've never gone up to her. You know, next time next at next Comic Con, I will make right. it a point to go up to Aaron Gray. I need to watch some uh, Buck Rogers episodes. And this is the thing. Right. I don't I, I don't know what to say to her because I can't remember the last time I watched a Buck Rogers episode, <laughs> regardless of my obsession with Tweaky. I know more about what Tweaky does on that show yeah. than I know what Wilma does. Uh, w- weren't you the chick from Silver Spoons, too? <laughs> biddy, biddy, biddy. Don't forget she was on Silver Spoons, Buck. <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> 
Biddy, biddy, biddy. She used to make Jason Bateman feel very warm in his pelvic region. <laughs> region. <laughs> biddy, biddy. Bigger, bigger, bigger. I can't do it. Right. He brought up. He brought about Jason Bateman's awakening. Bigger, bigger, bigger. <laughs> you do much better. I, I don't know. I'm just bigger, bigger, bigger. Jason Bateman went on that show, a boy, and came out a man. Bigger, bigger, bigger. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Oh, gosh. But this is this is our goodbye to Tasha. Goodbye, Tasha Yar. We never really even knew you at all. But now you got smacked across a studio planet set and our dad. So uh, they're all in a, uh, a tiz in the Enterprise because they're far away from where the shuttle crashes. Yes. Initially. And then we've got engineer. Do you know that? Remember the engineer's name? Oh, good Lord. Lynch. Okay. Engineer Lynch. Engineer Lynch, dude. This is the first time we actually learn or see that they, they still use these darn dilithium crystals, right? Right. They're 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 realigning them, right. which whatever the hell that means. But yeah, they're realigning them. It's way more stuff like hands-on work than should be done on, on a giant galaxy-class starship like this. I mean, right. there's like... There's like crystals are powering this gigantic machine, which is supposed to be amazing. But it's like it just seems so they're like running around the engineering room with these crystals on a tray. And it's like, God, like, isn't there a robot or something that should be doing that or something like what if you fell? And like, what would happen if you dropped dilithium crystals on the deck? What happens to them? Explode or so our our empath and friend, as we later find out uh, that that uh, Yar and Troy are actually friends. She has crash landed on this planet and the Enterprise is really far away and they're in a rush to get there. But it just so happens that they're realigning the dilithium crystals. And yes. I don't know if you've ever been to one of these spiritual kind of, you know, new agey Wicca <laughs> shops. <laughs> but if you go into one of those shops and you see those big crystals in there, that's basically what the dilithium crystal looks like. It's like they're yes. carrying this sucker. They will, they will realign your crystal. It's a pretty new age episode, too, because when yeah. we finally get down to Armis and we find out what Armis is the name of the giant uh, puddle, when we find out finally what his problem is, it becomes right. really like he's in his feelings. Sure. You know, he's too in his feelings and he, he needs to get in touch with who he really is. And once he right. starts opening up and accepting what happened to him, right. then he begins to grow. Own your grief, Amos. Own your grief. <laughs> but let's talk about let's talk about poor Denise Crosby. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, I was trying to build up this idea, but they, 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 the, the, this very quickly happens in the beginning of the episode. But then they, they send down Picard sends down his away team, and we've got Tasha, we've got Jordy, right? We've got uh, uh, n- number one. And uh, who else is down there with her? Data. Jordy. Jordy doesn't go down. Jordy, oh, Jordy goes, goes down, down later. A second. Sorry, Jordy goes down. A second yeah, it's down Tasha, there. Data, and Riker go down. And Very... uh, Crusher, Beverly. Be- oh, Beverly. Beverly. And so they encounter this bl- this black pool, and Tasha advances on it, right? Yes. And... Yes. 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 <laughs> and she gets her ass zapped. That is correct by this thing, and it knocks her into uh, her next life. I guess is what happens. There's been a lot of debate over this. Is this like a fitting death or is it just too easy? And there's there's arguments on both sides. Tasha yes. deserves something better. She deserved to go out in a blaze of glory. But right. at the same time, we want to put that shock element in 
to show you that no one is safe, even though they are for the rest of the goddamn series. I know. We want to put in that unpredictable element that we'll never use. <laughs> I know. I even in even in this viewing, even though I've I know the the whole show, I felt the tension of that moment. Like like I you know I could I could remember seeing it and thinking, wow. They're going to get rid of her. Is it possible? Because we're we're getting near the end of the season. And one of the criticisms that we've had, it's pretty main cast heavy. Are they going to start cleaning house? Are we going to see, is this the beginning? Is this going to be Yar? And then maybe we'll have, you know, somebody else die too, right? You know, of course, that doesn't happen. But just for, for a moment, I, I, I got caught up in this episode thinking, wow, huh, I like this. I, I, I see that part of it. I like the idea that there was that tension that they were trying to kind of toy with. No, it's too dangerous for the show. And the only the only place it ever gets close to that, at least for me, is when Picard season ender, I think, of three where Picard gets borged up. Right. Oh, yeah. But even then, even then, I remember watching it with my mom, who is not the most uh, critical viewer. Right. And I tried to fool her and say, oh, you know, Patrick Stewart's not coming back. And she just looked at me like and rolled her eyes like, you know, of course he's coming back. Jesus, what do you, what do you? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I was, I was way more caught up in it than your mom was, I guess, because I, I was like, oh my god, what, how are they going to resolve this? Oh, how, what's going to happen? No, you're a much better audience than I am because I am just absolutely so, so cynical. Yeah, there's certain things that I just, I just, I can look back at it as we're picking apart these things, of course. And anybody that's listened to any of our episodes knows that we're sometimes a little uh, too hard, but. Uh, you know, I, I can look back and say that, but uh, I really do get caught up in the narrative when I'm watching things. I don't want to be one of those guys. Like I, I, I'm, I, I'm very into the technical part of of TV and movies and watching for stuff like that. But yeah. I really try to separate myself from that when I'm watching it, for my sake, but also for the people with me's sake, because <laughs> there is nothing worse than sitting with somebody that goes, "Oh, did you see that? Oh, 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 come on, yeah, 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 yeah. come on, did you say? Look at that, look at that." Listen, I definitely restrain myself from that. I mean, I, there's some stuff you could see coming up Sixth Avenue, and I right. think I mentioned before, uh, my wife and I are in the middle of this comprehensive X Files rewatch, and there are definitely some scenes where you're like, "Yeah, I bet you that's the killer." You think that's going to be a mystery? I don't think it is. <laughs> the parts of it too, the times I do react is when I'm particularly frustrated, and. The one moment in this episode that is actually a very nice moment at the beginning where Worf right. and Yar are just having like a little character moment and talking about this tournament. Right. You know, Denise Crosby has even said plenty of times that if there were more moments like this, she would have stayed in the show. Yes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, hell yes. How hard is that? That was like a like a, a three minute scene that showed some character to it. It it. it there should have been scenes like that throughout right. the show. And that's why when we get to the funeral scene, you're like. Why did we get to see any of this stuff? You know, later on, the show does get more personal. The characters do have moments like that, and you do see those exchanges happening. You know, it's too bad because I, 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 I've read this stuff, too, about, about Denise Crosby. I still wonder, is it a personality thing? Is it? I know that it's about her character being a woman and put in this role that they think is going to really be challenging stereotypes, and then they don't do much with it. So I get that part of it, but I wonder if Yar's character is really just as flat as every other character on that show that just doesn't get enough, except for Picard. Right, you, you right. just don't get enough screen time. And there, there, you know, there's plenty of stuff for Data to do. There's plenty of stuff for Riker and Picard, but... When it comes to the rest of the secondary cast, they're just 
a lot of time standing around. And I and I just wonder if it pissed her off more than the other actors, you know, just because of who she was as a person. I mean, it's a, it's a good question because, but I think part of the problem was that there was all this backstory built for her. Right. And, you know, it had been hinted at and been teased at. And then most of it was just sort of left and never, never explored. Now, granted, if she had gone on more seasons, maybe it would have. But when you spend most of your time just saying like, hey, Johnny Picard, there's someone on the phone here for you. Yeah. And, and I, you know, you, you can see that's where it gets. I know. Tedious. And you can see that there's been a number of times where she's been an ineffectual. They've purposely not put her in positions where she has to fight. And, you know, we have episode two. This is episode two. No, episode three, Code of Honor. Uh, Code, Code of, of Honor, Honor, where she oh, does God, do Code a martial arts display, you know, <laughs> on the holiday. <laughs> she puts that gi on over her uh, uh, uniform. As but you then do. she gets kidnapped that same episode, too, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. It It's a problem. So and then, you know, we've got episode 20 with the Klingons. Oh, yes, yes. Heart of Glory. Thank you. And here she is actually leading the security team because, in a way, Worf has been compromised. Right. And still, like, all the action is given to the dudes running around, like, her, basically her right. subordinates, instead of her, like, going, I'm going to have to come up against Worf myself, you know, physically. Uh, you know, I could see the disappointment, but then at the same time, you just wonder if she just had it with this and she wasn't like Marina Sirtis who really got into the show and kind of waited and let them do more with her character. It's a good question. And I don't even know that she knows. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that she's been asked like a million times. I bet. I think you really start to create a narrative that you think will just satisfy people. So they won't keep asking the same damn question. Yeah. But again, I've been to enough conventions too, to know that you're going to be asked the same questions over and over and over again. It's got to be as tedious as, these people saying, uh, 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 Sir Patrick, hello. Yes, I, I can't do, I can't do Patrick. Why am I doing Patrick's story? <laughs> I just love the Sir Patrick business. Oh, okay. And I, I just can't get enough of the of it. Excuse me, your grace. Pardon me, your grace. I mean, what, you know, we're recording this in, in a time of great divide in our country. And there's a country full of these independently minded Americans that really take pride in the fact that we're Americans. And the idea that this guy, this British dude that's given this title and we as Americans mm -hmm. are supposed to get all, you know, wound up about calling him <laughs> Sir Patrick. <laughs> and it's like, dudes, like that's cool and everything. But can't that just be done in England? Like. <laughs> like if we can't become sirs, right? No, we then can't. Why should we have? We can't. To... We can get. We can get honorary recognition, yeah. but we don't end up being a sir. We can't be a sir. So then, why do we have to call them sirs over here? Come on, the dude's not even. He's an, you don't have he's to. But it's in, in, at the same time, it's not like Patrick Stewart's going around going, "You didn't call me sir." Well, that's you know, it's just all these these. I know, and I'm not. I'm not sycophants. Yes, I'm not criticizing Patrick Stewart. I mean, I think Patrick Stewart's probably a really great guy to be around. It's like, uh, uh, it's the idea that this is some sort of royalty and it's not enough that we call him Captain Picard, that we also have to call him Sir Patrick Stewart for crying out. Well, it, it also becomes more fun when you realize, I remember him on, on David Letterman years, years, years mm -hmm. ago, like decades ago, talking about how much he just loves Beavis and Butthead right. because they're so stupid. And, you know, he probably likes a good fart joke. Yes. You know, he probably like licks his fingers and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> just because he was in a, a successful a successful sci-fi franchise right. you know the queen's like who's on the list 
Oh, okay, Patrick Stewart, what the fuck? <laughs> now he's a sir. Mick Jagger, for God's sake, is a yeah, sir. I, I, Historically speaking, folks, you got to admit, he's one of the biggest degenerates. I know. You know, just nothing but sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which is which is great and all. But it hardly makes you think, you know, oh, what a distinguished fellow. I know. Well, what kills me about the Stones, too, is that I think when they were younger, they, they you know, vowed never to do anything like that. I mean, that they thought that was so ridiculous. Oh, yeah, right. Whatever. I mean, I, of course, I'd be happy if I was some British uh, Dave and I'd done something enough to, to make me a sir. Like, why not? Yeah. yeah. Hey, sir. <laughs> Can we get back to the episode for just a second? Do you mind? <laughs> no, I look. Because something something else happens in this episode that I think is something we've been mentioning. Mm. And it actually happens for once. And then, you know, again, it's something that never really comes back again. And that's when they get Tasha up into into sick bay. Right. It suddenly becomes an episode of ER. It does. And I love that. There was even a little handheld camera action. Did you yeah, notice that? It, was, it did have that feel. You know, so she's pronounced dead on the planet by Beverly. I think Beverly went down, you know, just in case something had happened with Troy. Yes. But I also yes. think she went down so that she could diagnose uh yara is dead when she gets zapped by the invisible ray because it makes it more dramatic yes. it was a very bones moment he, right. she's she's dead jim so she, there's no life signs they rush her back up onto the ship and we've got that moment you're talking about and i think yes cool and, and there's a lot of tension in that scene because you've got beverly there picard comes rushing in there and, and <laughs> number one and they're looking at the stats on the screen they have absolutely no idea what they're looking at and and beverly's telling right, him, right, beverly's telling right. him how it isn't like Riker reads something on the screen wrong and she has to correct him and tell him you know no that's uh, basically she's dead dude she's absolutely dead and see this is where i i i get cranky this is where i get ah. frustrated and it's not fun to watch a show with me because i think to myself damn i want more of this i want like a star trek version of house i know yeah where it's just every episode is Beverly Crusher diagnosing with a team you know Rosagawa all these other people diag diagnosing like some new space thing, like oh, you have Mister Work, you have, you have Targ Pox or something. <laughs> That'd be good. I, I, I've come down. I've, excuse me, I've come down with the Ferengi flu. <laughs> yeah, you're itchier than a case of Aldebaran crabs. <laughs> I've got Klingon chlamydia. <laughs> That's what Kepler really means. It means like you got fucking chlamydia, dude. And come on, all those types of things. They're 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 beyond that. And I would watch the hell out of that. Are you kidding me? I, I know we're creating our own little universe of shows here, but it, it would be an excellent show to have a whole Beverly centric show or a whole doctor show. I mean, the doctors are so interesting on all these shows and we've seen it with bones. There could have been a whole show with bones and, and, and our hologram doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Robert. So wait, 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 go back for a minute with bones. Do you mean bones? Leonard McCoy, right? Not Bones, the television show Bones. No, I'm sorry. I forgot that there was a Bones, the TV yeah, show. Yeah, because they, would, they wouldn't be able to call it Bones because of Bones. McC <laughs> Double Bones. The original <laughs> Bones. <laughs> You've been boned. I'm a doctor, not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it is really interesting. And, I, I, you're, and there's you're, plenty of medical knowledge at that time where they could have gone into some really weird stuff. You know, and they do hit on things every now and again, right? I mean, when the bow breaks, we saw some weird sterility. We're going to see some cool cloning stuff coming up. There's all kinds of weird crap right. that happens with the transporter. It just seems sure. like it's really wide open for some some crazy ass medical drama, and you could do that handheld camera thing, and uh, it'd be so great. Uh, uh, let's pitch it. 
right after our Twiggy and Dr. Theopolis reunion show. We have a whole night of television. Do you realize that? So like the first hour could be Twiggy and Dr. Theopolis. Mm. That could be the eight to nine because it'd be kid friendly. Right. And then uh, we have the counselor show, the Star Trek counselors. And I don't know if you remember that one. The idea that these counselors come to where Kirk used to be (laughs) and fix the planet. And then um, this one, Space House. House Trek. Galaxy Class ER. Space House. Okay. So this this guy, this this guy. This goop. Down on the planet, this pool of black gloop, which ended up being like, wasn't it like baby wipes? and No, it's Metamucil. Metamucil and printer's ink. I don't know why I got babies' wipes. I'm thinking about the stuff that we flushed down our modern toilets. Yeah, but there's plenty of plenty. It's poop based. It's poop based. So there's this pool of it's a it's an effect, and the effect when it's the effect when it's the CGI whatever they call it at the time was a digital effect. It's not that impressive, but when it's the well, there but there is an actual pool of this this oily, creepy black goo. Yes. So this this arm is rises up out of it, and there's a person inside of this goopy suit right yeah and, and it's just like this tar creature but he's got this terribly scary voice and i i don't know i i kind of was impressed by that i thought that was scary well let me say because i'm going to disagree with you i think it's a terrible design so this is like uh, <laughs> uh a on. creature no i i really do because here is this this creature who is supposed to be like all about emotion mm. and they create a design where there's no face so you don't even get to see, like, at the end when he's screaming, he's like, ah, yeah. ah, they don't even move him, right? They don't even do, like, an overhead shot like they did yeah. for Worf, you know, at the end of uh, Hearts of Glory. He's just sort of like a trash bag in a mud puddle. Right. He doesn't emote at all. I agree. He's got a great voice. The voice is fantastic, but it's like, ugh. I don't know. I, I just, I guess I was more focused on like the threat of him and making him be so monstrous like that, this embodiment of evil, I think trying to fit him into a human form would have made him kind of silly in a way. Yeah. I do agree that having a face on it would have helped. And especially since they are doing all this psychological on him and, and attacking him psychologically to try to outsmart him, you know, not to see him have an expression. I, I get that. I, I can see where that, you know, would have resonated more if if he actually had a face. Right, face, it's just a big black pile of gloop, and and I, I so Riker gets sucked into this big black pile of goop, right? Yes, and we actually see an effect. It's a practical effect, but we see a Riker head inside of the goop. Okay, yes, and so we actually see what a face would look like if you know it was inside of this this stuff, and so you know that was impressive and. Maybe they could have done something like that. Uh, Riker's face was some sort of a sculpt. It wasn't really his real face because right, it was like right. filling up with Metamucil and ink. His right. mouth was open, filling up with oil. I, I do think that that moved me more seeing Riker get sucked in than because there was an expression on his face of terror. Right, and all right exactly. It kills me because in too short a season, we had Michael Pataki. Right. Who, who played Karnas, and, and they save him all the way to the end, and he starts chewing up scenery like a maniac right. at the end. I can't help but think to myself, here they have, or through this thing, we have this big emotional creature, and they just cover it in, in Metamucil and, and printer's ink, and I'm thinking, like, stick right. Michael Pataki's face in there or something, man. Get him in that pile of goop and let him go nuts. But look, I mean, look at like look at this. I mean, we've got. Remember when Armin Shimmerman had his face on that steel plate or whatever the hell he was a box? <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I know I'm the one that complains about uh. the makeup on these Ferengis and these headpieces and all this stuff. And I just 
can't see it working out right. It just would have looked silly. Well, they do it to Riker. They have no problems doing know, it to but... Jonathan Frakes, which absolutely kills me because, you know, he showed up for work, you know. Right. And they're like, you know, Johnny, Johnny Frakes, get over here. We got to cover you with Metamucil. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is that I read that he volunteered to go into the into the goo. <laughs> <and if> he, <laughs> which he's like, hey, hey, you guys want me to go in there? I'll do it. It's funny. If you watch the episode, it really him going into that into the stuff yeah. does change the course of the episode. So you wonder what the script said before Frakes, you know, decided to take a dive in that. I don't know. Maybe the thing just took over his mind again, as as many of the other entities that they've encountered so far have done. You know, maybe right. it's, have taken him over and he, you know, rise around in pain. Maybe it was like cooler just to jump into the black than to do that all over again. Uh, the thing that fascinates me about Armist is he's supposed to be like the embodiment of all the negative traits of this race. Right. Right. So this race somehow figures out how to divest itself. It's all of its negative traits. Sure. You know, that's Jekyll and Hyde stuff that you could somehow isolate your your negative evil impulses and let them take form. Mm. I, their evil impulses aren't all that evil. I mean, except for killing Yar. Armus is just kind of a jerk. I mean, he knocks Shorty's uh, visor off like, ha, <laughs> what you, you can't see anything now, can you? But yeah, I mean, that's true. He could have obliterated all of them, right? And he has these godlike powers again. So we don't we don't actually know what the breadth of his powers actually are. I mean, he can't he obviously can't pull the Enterprise down to the surface of the planet like original series stuff. He potentially pulled the the shuttlecraft down is that implied or i think it's implied that he somehow was able to bring the shuttle down obviously it's also constrained by the fact that it's network television it's in the bible bell all these things we've talked about before right but to say that this is the embodiment of evil watch what he does got your visor got your got your (laughs) visor jordy he's torturing the guy it's awful and he has data next with controlling data and having data point the phaser at the other crew members and threatening to, to unload on them. You know, so, I mean, he's definitely cruel. Yeah, I mean, he could have killed them all. But, I mean, there's why doesn't he drag them all into the goop? Why doesn't he, or, well, you know, like when Picard comes down, why doesn't he drag Picard into the goop? He's just... And also think about this goop thing, and back to Yar in the beginning, and when we mentioned this before, we said that, you know, there's two schools of thought on the Yar death. Right. I, and, you know, wouldn't it have been interesting if she was the one that was pulled into the black goo and then she was in there and they were trying to get her out the whole time. Right, I mean, right. I, it, it was kind of a weird choice. The the Yar fan club was all cheering for her every episode. And then <laughs> here she is and she's just, you know, killed so easily. Yeah. And that could have been good. I mean, some sort of struggle. I, I just, I don't know. Armis gets to me because he's just, he's such a poser, right? And he only feels better when he confronts his rage. And and then the right. irony of course, is that he's, he's vulnerable when he's vulnerable. It's like something you, he could, you could beat him, <laughs> but only when he's really vulnerable, Dave. Well, he becomes vulnerable. I mean, they become aware of him being vulnerable because of our, our empath who's been imprisoned by him. Well, and Worf and Worf, Worf sees the energy fluctuation. He and uh, Wes. Yeah, they, they, they align those two ideas uh, eventually that there's a fluctuation. And Troy seems to be aware that, that it's happening, too, from her conversations with yes. Armis. What if his name was Armis Shimmerman? <laughs> you know, I looked it up to see if Armis meant anything, and it just doesn't. No. I, I just figured it was some kind of Greek callback or something. No. It just doesn't mean anything. Armis, and who named him? We've taken all I, our negative traits, and we've dumped them here. 
Yeah, well, before we go off into the universe and annoy people with how like pure and good we are, how absolutely square we are, what, right. let's name the little goop. Let's not just leave it. What do you think, guys? <laughs> huh? Uh, uh, Mr. Roddenberry, do you have any more uh, old buddies we could name uh, 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 a force of evil after? Well, uh, you remember back when uh, Troy almost got married? We had that uh, actor, that uh, what's his name? Armis? Armis Shimmerman. Call it him Armis. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Roddenberry. Caw, caw! Oh, oh, great bird! Yes? I forgot to call you, oh, great bird. Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Now, where's that car wax again? I'm going to go out and buff up the car for you like you asked. Caw, caw! It's in a big box marked Armus. It's made of Metamucil and printer's ink. (laughs) Right after we're done with the script, I'm going to get out there and buff up those cars for you and Majel. (laughs) Majel's is the hatchback Pinto. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Great Bird. <laughs> Majelk has that AMC pacer back there. Watch that eight track, kid. That's Planet Earth money. <laughs> Spent most of that money on John Saxon. So we have got some really strong Picard moments in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know we keep talking about this, like building a better Picard, and we keep seeing him ha- becoming stronger and stronger and having some really excellent scenes. Even if the episodes aren't consistently getting better, we're seeing a stronger Picard right. in each episode. And I think you see that here, too. I mean, he's got some really nice moments. He, he does that really awful thing that he has to do, which is have them in the L.A. Law Conference room right. and, and tell everyone just to, you know, put a lid on it. It's like, we don't we don't have time for this crap right now. We We have to, you know, nut up and take care of business and then when we get right. back we can have feelings right and it's funny you know of course it's ironic because the whole problem is that armis is in his feelings right and picard's the one that's like we have to control our feelings not let our f- feelings control us yeah that's good that's some good uh, background in the writing room it, it is interesting you've got uh deanna troy at the same time is still held captive on the planet so everybody's up top trying to figure out how to rescue right. her how to get her out of this alive. The rest of the way team's down there, and Picard's just like, okay, that's enough. Here comes here comes Daddy. I'm coming down. St- stand by. I'll be right there. Yeah, that's enough of that. Right. And he gives Mr. Worf the bridge, which, of course, you know, we don't get to see. I know. It, it would have been great. would have been great if Worf's like, all right, I got the bridge. Let's saucer set this some bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you how it's done, Captain. Yeah, you think Jordy's such a hot shot? I'm gonna saucer step the hell out of this. Let's battle bridge this Armus dude and blow his ass right off that planet. <laughs> step aside, Picard. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been funny if you just—they're all standing on the planet. You just hear this like screeching sound, and over the hill like, comes the battle bridge. Here comes Worf. <laughs> Boom. Picard comes down finally, and this is when the away team is kind of being terrorized by Armus and being made to do things. Right. And Picard's like, I'll have none of this. Comes down, and he just like, parents, you know, tough loves uh, Armus. Right. I'm not playing with this, and that's enough of this, young man. He just straight out tells him, he's like, no, no. He tells Data (laughs) to stop. The Data's, is that when Data's chasing around the, Data, get a hold of yourself. Dry it up, Data, dry it up. Picard is able to convince Armus that he wants to speak well with Deanna Troy and she's caught inside this shuttle and Armus right. is keeping her in there. And then, you know, Bobby or whatever his name is, is in there too, isn't it? Right? Ben. Ben. How's Ben See, doing? Poor Ben. Poor Ben, man. This is moment you can't even remember the guy. We, we've been talking for like 20 minutes. You've already forgotten the guy's name. 
<laughs> What's funny is like, <laughs> does he is he on the show? One of our uh, one of our steadfast from the beginning listeners happens to be named Ben, and I'm sorry, Ben. I feel really bad. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ben. Uh, sorry, Ben. Don't worry. Uh, don't worry. There's a whole. Uh, Star Trek franchise waiting for you with a character with your name. Don't worry. He gets to run the whole space station. You'll love it. Deep Space Nine, everyone. Uh, what, what else about Picard? Anything else about Picard? He does this really cool, like, I, I am so casual. I am so in charge. When he sits on that rock, I think that is the ballsiest move, right? Because here this thing is dragged Riker in, killed one of his people. And he's just like, I'm going to cop a squat right here on this rock. Mm. Yeah, mind if I pull up a boulder and just uh, chill a while? Mind if I pull up a seat? Susie gets the 411 from Troy. Could I dust this off and put my French-British ass on this? Do you mind? As soon as he gets the 411 for Troy, he's like, okay, I got you. No problem. I got this handled. Right. He just like, it, it's so alarming. It's, I think about Riker, what Riker would do. He would stick his like big old leg up on a rock, maybe, or be all cocky and, and arrogant about it. And, and Picard's just like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing this. And then, so what Picard kind of does after he talks to Troy and they figure out that when Armis is weak, Picard's kind of running out the clock, basically. So when he gets back outside with Armis again, he's kind of stalling him so that Worf and Wesley can lock on to the away team and, and beam them up. And well, and it's such a weird moment. Well, not the away team, uh, Troy, Troy and, and who Troy and who Troy and Ben. Uh, it, it's basically, it's just Troy, Ben and, and me Picard for crying out loud. <laughs> yes. But it's, it's such a weird little anticlimax. It's right. like they, they ramp the tension up in the first right. place by killing Yar. And then it's kind of like, at the end you know it's just like yeah we'll give you a ride just let me see my people okay so my people you're not getting a ride later and arms is like oh, i need to take me off of this rock no. <laughs> so long sucker <laughs> see you i want to go shopping for black friday <laughs> i want to get some of those door busters see you don't want to be you. <laughs> Smell you later, Armis. <laughs> Catch you on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Armis is like, hey, hey. And then they're just like, fuck you. So the planet's is completely off limits. And that's it. I hope you had a good time. Note to self. Gosh darn it, it happened again. <laughs> Keep my feelings a little on the inside when I bring the next shuttle down. I can't help it that I wear my hate on my sleeve. Dear Armis, don't be so emotional. <laughs> Armis, what? Try to listen to others next time. Okay. Armis, maybe it's time for you to to take a dive into Lake Armis and l let's see what's below the surface. Let's see what's in the depths. How about that? Maybe they're right. I need to find the inner Armis. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that, that, that empath was pretty nice after all. I really fucked that up. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. Why did Armis have to be the worst unnamed entity? <laughs> 
God. And, uh, you know, we got to say something about Troy. And, and that, yeah. that, that, that would, could have been another good show. It's like, what if Troy actually had just sort of reformed Armis? What if it was just a yeah. Troy episode and she and Armis just sort of worked it out? Yeah, I, I would have liked that. I mean, she was going after him. I mean, she was analyzing the shit out of that entity. She hasn't done work like this on the show at all. And it was really great to see her start shining. And I'm always talking about how I want, you know, our uh, Beta Z to shine. Well, you've always said, too, is like they don't know what to do with her. And yeah. it's like, well, here's what you do with her. Exactly. You you just have her talk down like the maniacs. You have her talk down the entities. You have her talk down, or at least this is the kind of strategic edge she should be giving Picard. It's like, look, right. this dude is, is, is completely, it's like an open wound here. It's like an right. open, gaping wound. And all he needs you to do is give him a hug. Right. And, and you know, she could have been doing this all along. We mentioned this before in some of the other episodes with Mandel and with Jameson. And, you know, her insight could have been crucial. The character stuff aside, it could have made a lot of these stories a lot more interesting to have her being involved in, you know, figuring stuff out. Like, how do we get to this information? Oh, wow. Here's this totally weird science fiction way of getting information to the audience that is unique to the show. This is good to see it. Or even something like like hide and cue right it would have been we talked about the fact she wasn't even in there and this is right. the episode where we needed her because Riker is like going off the rails and we need her to say something to Picard like you know you know Will's father never really loved him <laughs> and will come over I think in season two and be a real big pain in the ass so if you could just show him some love right now that'd probably do it Cap- Captain, you know, Commander Riker has uh, miniature dancing ladies in his cabin. <laughs> they dance on his fingertips. Uh, yes. Commander, Commander Riker has a, a harp fetish that he doesn't like to talk about. So maybe if you could just share your fetish for the flute with him, the two of you could bond over that. All this stuff goes on and it gets resolved at... Uh, 50 minutes or whatever you want to call it 40 minutes into the thing we still have a big chunk of time left in the episode and you go like wait a second plenty of time they left armis down there he's gone now what what are we going to do with the next uh what are we gonna do after the commercial break what's going to happen next gosh i don't know what do you think well we have to have a funeral for uh yar right oh wait a minute she died yeah, I, I don't know if you remember, but at the beginning of the episode, she got zapped by an uh, invisible bolt, and she's dead now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I, I totally forgot about that. I feel like such a schmuck. I was so sad before. Now I just totally forgot. Uh, I guess I guess what you do when people die in space on a Galaxy-class starship is that you have a pretend funeral for them on the holodeck, and that's yes, exactly what they set up for Yar. And, and this scene is very strange. You know, they, they, they're outside, pretend outside, they're in front of a blue screen or green screen or whatever color the screen was. Dave, they're on the Windows XP desktop. <laughs> That's where they are. That's the Windows XP desktop. You know it, I know it, everyone knows it. It's 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 you know, poor Denise Crosby couldn't even get like a one day outside shoot for her goodbye. It would have been really nice if it was in some real sky space or even just a pretend planet like we were just on. Just just take a trip down to but where we were at the Huntington running around. Yeah. We're all half naked. Go back down there. Well, as we said, Paramount has this, Paramount has a back lot and they're in, you know, Southern California. And, you know, get out there, get out there into some sunshine or something or, or make up a set. You know, nowadays we have these movies that are all shot like the Avengers movies and all these any sci fi thing that you see. Half of the movie shot in front of a green screen. It's seamless. You can't tell. OK, most right. of the time. 
But on this show, this is a long time ago, it was 30 years ago, and, and it, it looks like they're in front of a screen, and it, it, it's kind of hollow. What happens, right, Andrew, is that yes. Yar has left some recordings for everybody, her, her best pals. Yes. Just in case she met some kind of demise. Just in case, just in case, just, you know, she was in a kind of a goth mood. And she's like, you know what I should do is is just go ahead and play funeral. It would have been great if she would have been recorded. She would have had like really black eye makeup on and like her hair had been dyed black. And she's like, this is Tasha Yar's final words. (laughs) Tasha Yar is dead. She's dead. She's dead. She's dead. (laughs) Spella Lugosi's dead. Hello, my friends. Well, the thing is, the thing is, the thing is that kills me is that I was wondering if this is like a standard thing that they do in Starfleet. Like, does everybody spend time recording these outgoing messages (laughs) on their uh, Galaxy Class voicemail to share with their closest friends when they die? You know, like, okay, all right, Rika, you're up. What's funny about what she does is it's very specific to where they are right then in the series so she obviously had just recorded right. uh, her her message because she she you know she notes she has all these emotional things to say to the her fellow castmates and she's like i i'm sorry right. i won't get to see you wes grow up to be the man that i know you'll become you, you know she obviously you know she recorded that recently you know it wasn't like at the beginning of the trip or anything and i i was just wondering if sometimes when the characters are gone for an episode you know deanna's deanna's been gone wharf's been gone i mean are, is this what they're doing are they on <laughs> are they like on the holodeck going uh, oh C- captain picard <laughs> actually I, I was really angry at the way you mistreated me but i'm starting to love you and then P- picard's like episode three and he's like um young crusher listen here boy right i'm sorry about that whole thing where i told you to shut up but your mom said it too so it was okay but really now i'm sorry and i know you'll turn into a a bigger guy someday (laughs) and bigger guy maybe bigger guy maybe we'll have bonded and maybe maybe you're wearing one of those shirts with the blue and the Red and the yellow and the what's the other color on it? You know, maybe, but not yet. And then right, and then and then and then like after the episode where uh, hide and Q happened, he's like, Rika, I'm I haven't talked to you in weeks. I'm sorry. I was really pissed off about the way you acted like such a jerky god. Okay, <laughs> I feel bad about my behavior, but I'm gone now. All right, You're, it's your ship. And so and so Data doesn't record one. Right, because he doesn't feel like he's going to die, and then he's the one that dies in Nemesis, and everyone's waiting in the holodeck. They're like, "Where? So where's Data's tape? Did he not? What do you mean he didn't make one? What? <laughs> right? Can we at least get Lore in here to kind of pretend? Come on! You know, the, it's a sweet scene, of course, because she's actually saying goodbye. The actress is saying goodbye to her friend. Right, right. Marina Sirtis is really crying you know she's crying right. the character's crying but she's actually crying and i wanted her to really just like let it go i mean it's it's even their crying is so you know muted in the show right. it would have been great if she was just like all over Riker, like blowing her i have i have to blow my nose in zoddy and just like you know hawks it right in the middle 
into his shirt that would have been great (laughs) your smelly spandex uniform oh god now smells like smells like troy's snot oh god will you your armpit area has wiped the (laughs) sorrow right off of me (laughs) i'm no no longer sad Riker. yeah even we even get a little tearing up from picard he's tearing up but you're right it's very very muted and and yeah how can you blame them i mean they're standing in front of this green screen and looking at a a projection of their friend going back to hide and cue too it would have been really good if she was like you know commander Riker, you totally ignored me for gifts thanks captain picard do you remember that one moment when i said like oh if you weren't a captain it kind of got a little awkward uh (laughs) yeah sorry about that i was just really worked up and it was a full moon or something i don't know i was just just feeling it right then and you know what can i tell you i got some father issues she never had a father and she compares him to the closest thing that she can imagine a father would be and she says to data my friend you see things like a child and the whole time she's talking to data data's got this funny look on his face because he's like oh this is the one human that lets me have intercourse with her and yeah i totally had sex with her and yeah. she's saying i'm like a child well yeah and that, that, that that's that's that's, I'm sorry, that totally creeped me out. And I understand. No, I, I that is creepy. And I, I didn't I was just thinking about the fact that he's like going like, where am I going to have my uh, robot on human sex workout? <laughs> this whole it's funny. I know I'm putting it on him, but the look on his face was like, I hope she doesn't mention episode two. <laughs> Which, again, we've mentioned comes up again in that uh, season two episode measure of a man. Right. The other weird moment to me is when she says that thing to Jordy. I don't even remember them having any interactions. You know, did they have just like regular, you know, in the course of the action episode interactions that we saw? Well, and then she says, you know, you've shown me to look at things. And I'm like, come on, that's really awful. If if he had like an artificial hand, <laughs> would you sit there and say, like, you really showed me how to hold things differently? Right, I know that is. It's a little tone deaf, Tasha. That's a little tone deaf. Yeah, it, it pandering to his, um, his needs. But it is funny that the only interaction I can remember them having was when he Riker gives him his sight and he says, you're more beautiful than I imagined. That, I think that's it. Yes, yes. Back in Hide and Q, Hide and Q is turning out to be a very useful episode. <laughs> that's like the the only time we've had like real genuine interactions. Well, also keep in mind, uh, where is it? The Lonely Among Us, where Riker was putting lonely. her in charge of the Antikin and the Soleil. Right. And he's like, wow, this is a real clusterfuck. I'm out of here. Good luck, Tasha. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, thanks you figure this out you're the security chief it's like yeah commander Riker. remember when you stuck me with the snake and the dog people thanks a lot dick <laughs> you always had my back Riker. you made me laugh when you gave me shit assignments remember the time you made those delicious in air quotes burritos <laughs> <laughs> what the best thing about being dead never have to watch you creep out on the holodeck whipping your bone out the, the other thing I thought was really, funny, <laughs> you know, we're watching a show where we see like an hour a week of this epic space opera. And yeah. as an audience, we're supposed to assume that other crap is going on that we're not seeing. And sometimes they, sure, me- sometimes sure. they mention it like we're next, next Relva three. And then we never see that episode. But, but I also think that extends to relationships on the ship. And you think like, this is a functioning ship with either two or 3000 people, depending on which episode you're in. But there's a lot of people right. on the ship. 
so Tosh is saying goodbye to this the cast, our cast, right? Right. But it would have been funny if like after she's done, who's the last person she talked to? Was it Wesley? The, the last person. Yeah. They do a little uh, a, a, a quick pan over to the next person in line. It's some dorky dude. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like, and a, and a, a station assistant, McSchlecky. Yeah. <laughs> McSchlecky, I really appreciated the way you work the transporter. You know, not everybody knows this, but when you're rematerializing down from a planet, you do it just right. When my atoms come back together, they work. 20th century expert Whalen. Right. You're the most tender lover. And then Dana goes berserk and tears his head off. It would have been funny to just some like some brando who you've never seen before and will never see again. Just right. sitting there going, you know. Eating potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, 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 this is the Yar funeral. I, 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 <laughs> I, thought, it was, I thought it was for, you know, Commander Jar. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, dummy. That's that's in Holodeck 3 down the hall. Good times. Well, you know what? Yes. I got to tell you, you've really cheered me up. Oh, really? Do you... I'm not nearly as depressed okay. over, over Yar being dead. I think it's all, I mean, this episode was therapeutic in a way. I mean, we, we worked on the uh, entity with his own self-help issues, feel better about yep. himself. We, yep. we, we've worked through our, our, our grief. We're in one of the stages of grief. I'm not sure which one it is, but one of them about Yar dying. <laughs> We're in the holodeck stage. Right. You, you, everybody join me on the holodeck and, and keep your emotions out of it. We'll, we'll all have time to grieve, but none of it will be on camera. It'll be great at the end of it. Instead of him, like everyone leaving and walking away, Kriker would have said, okay, fuck this. Give me my bone. Where's <laughs> Minuet? Let's go. <laughs> what are you doing, Riker? Oh, I've got this room booked next. I'm going back to <laughs> New Orleans. Do you mind uh, uh, skedaddling, Picard? Hey, yeah, could you all move along a little bit? George, Jordy's thinking to himself, I got to go. I got to go and update the holodeck. So when I die, at least I get like Windows Millennium. Right. Note to self. She had some really good points. She had some good tips. I got to update more. <laughs> they get a thing from hr dear jordy laforge you're due for to update your funeral hologram <laughs> oh wait i gotta tell you something i'm really embarrassed about this huh what's that i have i have this very cold can of perrier sitting here and i never popped it oh in my god episode. i was wondering if you were going to say anything ah there it is Wow. I'm thirsty. This episode has made me, there's been some tears. There's been some water loss and I need to replenish my um, <laughs> electrolytes. It's been sad. Wow. So what's up next? <laughs> Come on. I believe it's episode 23. It's called Only in Paris. Meet me in Paris. We all had, what was it? We'll always have Paris. This is like the last of the, oh God, are you kidding me? Episodes of the season. And then after that, we got a couple of what I would like to call humdingers to wrap it up. Can you believe we're almost done with, with season one, finally? No, I can't. I can't. You know, uh, to our growing fan base out there, you have no idea how long this has taken us to put this, this little cupcake together. It's gone on a lot longer than season one of Next Gen. <laughs> That's very <laughs> true. Sure. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. 
I'm Commander Dave E. Dave. And I'm actually consoled, Andrew. Oddly consoled, Andrew. A virtual hug. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us on STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Let's, oh. let's go mind the store. I don't know what song that is. It used to be Gilligan's Island. Yeah, it's it's falling apart. I have no idea what that. A little secret. Sometimes I cut it out. <laughs> you should just cut it out. Sometimes it's funny and I leave it in. Sometimes I just cut it out. So. Are you ready for an uplifting episode? <laughs> episode twenty-three of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek podcast. Ask you to fall in love. Let me get out of my chair. All and, over again. And jump ya. It's time for We'll Always Have Paris. Because Casablanca is a... Obviously, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Picard meets an old flame. He has this old flame who he just sort of ghosted. Right. Oh, that wasn't so nice, Jean-Luc. Just do something weird here, man. Let's forget the romance and talk about alternate dimensions. He's kind of in one dimension. He's in another dimension. He's out of his mind. And sprinkle in a little time travel. There's like three timelines going on. Do you think there's a timeline where I don't have a headache? (laughs) Then learn about how the Enterprise deals with alternate dimensions and time travel. And here's Data taking a cylinder and dropping into a hole. And somehow taking a cylinder and dropping into a hole solves problems. Oh, don't worry. Data isn't the only robot to show up. Bitty, bitty, bitty. So adjust your space berets and butter up your baguette on STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. Mon Dieu! Merde! Watch that 8-track, kid. That's Planet Earth money.